you know, I had the privilege of serving for a number of years at Northwest Covenant Church in Mount Prospect, Illinois, and it was at this church that I met the Boer family, Say and Yabor. They were from Liberia, and their four kids were actually in the youth group at the church. Um, they were refugees from Liberia. If you remember anything about the history of Liberia, there was a terrible civil war there, um, and it decimated the country. If you've ever seen the movie Blood Diamonds, that was partly set in Liberia. Well, Say had been out of the country when the Civil War started, and he was unable to return to his country because of how dangerous it was. And so he was in the Chicagoland area getting his PhD from Loyola in um, educational leadership. And his goal was to one day go back to Liberia to rebuild the country following the terrible civil war that had decimated the country, but he was waiting for the right time. Um, Shirleaf, Evelyn Sherleaf Johnson was the president of Liberia. She had gone to school with um, President Obama and also received the uh, Nobel Peace Prize for the work she did in that country. She asked Say to come back to Liberia to build a college. Um, when the time was right. And so while Say was at, say the Boers were at Northwest Covenant Church, he organized a group for, to support the Liberian refugees in the, at least in the Midwest. And so we would have these meetings at the church supporting the refugees. And he called the group Yulikov, which meant United Liberian inland church, associates, and friends. And the friends were the people at Northwest Covenant Church, of which um, I was one. And for me, Say was just a friend. I didn't realize how important he was, uh, even though the president of the country is contacting him to go and rebuild or to build a school over there. So while he was at Northwest Covenant Church, he came up with the plans to... Um, build LICC, which is Liberian International Christian College. And so they, we started plans on and working on that, and it was going to be planted in Ganta. Ganta is a city that is about 120 miles from Monrovia. When you fly into Liberia, you fly to Monrovia, and then you have to drive out this 120 miles. It takes about six hours because it's mostly dirt roads, and the roads have been devastated because of the Civil War. And so... In 2010, LICC opened, and this college was there, and it was serving not only Liberia, but it served Sierra Leone and Guinea and Cote d'Ivoire as well. They were offering two-year associate degrees just to start, and the first graduation service was going to be in 2012. And Herb Jacobson, who some of you know, was also working at Northwest Covenant Church. He and I were asked by Say to come over for the first graduation service because of the partnership we had with them. And so we looked into traveling over. Um, but it was a dangerous time in Liberia. Say's father had been a tribal chief in Ganta and had been killed during the Civil War. And Say, again, I didn't realize just how important he was, but when I got over there, I realized how important it was. It was dangerous for him to go back because he would be targeted by some of the rebels. Well, 2012, we're going to have the first graduation service. We're invited over, but Liberia was still on the list of places the U.S. government said 
don't, don't travel there. They, it wasn't illegal to travel there, but they said, unless it's absolutely necessary, don't go. So Say told me, well, actually, he told Mary, as long as Paul is with me, he will be safe. If he's not with me, it could be trouble. So Herb and I traveled to Liberia with Sabor for this graduation service. And I remembered when we were driving up, we have some pictures. So that's Say and I. This is the school out in Ganta. That's Herb and I and Say and Ya. And this is us in Monrovia. And then the next one, well, that's the graduation service. This is a, we're driving out, and this is sort of the conditions. If you've been over in Africa, it's a familiar scene. We're driving out to Ganta, and every once in a while, you would get checkpoints. And what would happen is the military-type people would be standing there with a rope or a chain, and they'd pull it across the road to stop traffic. And they would then be looking for a bribe. They would call it an honorarium for protecting the road. Um, but as we were driving out, we stopped at one of these places uh, just to get something to eat. And a bunch of kids came up to us, and they were calling me Queeplu. And I asked, say, what in the world does that mean? He goes, oh, don't worry, they're just making fun of you. Queeplu means white boy. See, Herb and I, when we got out to Ganta, we were the only white people in all of that area. And so um, they called me Queeplu a lot. Well, we're driving out, we get to one of these checkpoints, and the guards pull up this rope, we stop the car, they look inside and see the Queeplu, and they ask for documentation. And Say says, I am Sabor from Ganta, these are my friends from the United States, let us go. And they would immediately say, oh, sorry, put the rope down, and off we go. And it was then I realized just how important it was for me to stay with Say. As long as I was with him, I was safe. If I wasn't with him, I would be in trouble. And so all around Liberia, I just stayed with him. Wouldn't it be great to have someone in your life that no matter what was going on around you, you were safe? Wouldn't it be great just to have one person in your life that no matter what was going on, you would be at peace? Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Amen. Our text for this morning I want us to look at is from Luke chapter 2, a familiar story about the birth of Jesus. It says there, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who, had been pledged, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. 
An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace on those, to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone back into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that had happened, which the Lord had told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I want us to consider a couple things as we look at this passage of Scripture, and the first is this. It says at the end there that Mary pondered. Mary pondered these things in her heart. What was it that Mary pondered? What was it that Mary treasured and pondered in her heart? Think about this. To whom did God tell about this birth? Well, he had told Mary, spoken through an angel that, about the birth, talked to Joseph through a dream, talked to Mary, I mean, talked to Elizabeth, talked to the wise men or the magi from the east through the stars. He spoke to religious leaders through the scriptures. And to the shepherds, he spoke through an angel. And the shepherds also are the only ones who get an angelic choir, the heavenly hosts. This is important for, to understand about the shepherds. The shepherds are the lowest class of people at that time in that society. They were so despised that the testimony of a shepherd was not admissible in court unless it was corroborated by another shepherd. And the angel comes to the shepherds, the lowest people in society, and tells them this good news. And the angel says, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. This is good news for all people everywhere at all time. It is not just for religious leaders. It is not just for the elite of society. It's not just for the rich or the educated. This news is for everyone from every nation, from the highest in society to the lowest in society. This is good news. And the angelic message continues that there will be peace on earth to those on whom his favor rests. God's favor rests on humanity. And this good news is for everyone from every land. Do we believe that? Do we believe that this is good news and that there will be peace because of Christ? Yes. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. 
You see, God has now become part of his creation. The greatest miracle here is not the virgin birth. The greatest miracle here is that the creator has become part of his creation. We call this the incarnation. God becomes human. And in the person of Jesus Christ. So Jesus is fully God and fully human at the same time. That is the great miracle here. In John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God with us. We call that Emmanuel. God dwelling with us. And so now peace has come to the earth because of Jesus. But peace does not mean the cessation of conflict. Mary did not have an easy life after the birth of Jesus. Think of this, right after the birth of Jesus, Herod hears about this and goes and kills all the baby boys in that area under the age of two. He's trying to kill the Messiah. And so Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus have to flee to Egypt to get away from Herod. Think about this for a moment. Was the angel wrong? Was the angel wrong? Or did Mary know that no matter what her situation or what was going on around her, she would be okay because Jesus was with her? And I don't think a day went by where Mary didn't ponder the promises of God and ponder what had taken place in her life. Each and every day she probably went over in her mind again all that had taken place. And she treasured these things and pondered them in her heart. She meditated on the promises of God. She meditated on the promise that this child was no ordinary child. It was the gift from God. Fully God, fully human in her child. And the birth of Jesus is not something that we could have created on our own. No matter how special you think your child is, they are not going to become a God. They're not going to be divine. This was totally a work of God. This isn't something that we could do. And this was God's plan from the beginning of creation. So what is peace? In the Old Testament, the concept of peace was total well-being, prosperity, and security associated with the presence of God. When God was present in your midst, he would give as a blessing peace. And complete peace was a hope that all people would have for the end time when the second advent comes. When Christ comes again, there will be absolute peace. But right now, we live in the now and the not yet. We live knowing that Christ has come and brought peace so that no matter what's going on around us, we can still have peace. And so Christ inaugurated this peace, and we experience through a relationship with him by faith. The most common word that you find in the scripture is shalom, meaning wholeness, health, security, and well-being, and salvation. And the presence of this shalom was not something that was the outcome of human endeavor, but rather was a gift from God. And so the children of Israel would experience this peace when they obeyed God. And when they obeyed God and were faithful to him, God gave them peace. And when they were rebellious and unfaithful, They didn't experience peace. And so peace, this type of peace, symbolized God's blessing because of a covenant relationship that the children of Israel had with God. 
But the children of Israel often would rebel against God, and the prophets had to warn them over and over again that they would only have this peace if they remained faithful to God and were in a relationship with God. And so you get to the time of Jesus, and this angel comes and brings this message to the shepherds that they have peace now because the Messiah has come. And you think about this. Jesus promised his disciples that he would give all who believe the indwelling Holy Spirit, God dwelling within us, that gives us peace. The indwelling Holy Spirit, a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. We can have peace no matter what our circumstances, what our situations, because of Jesus. Right now, God is with us. God is within you through the Holy Spirit. And this peace reconciles us to God. The Apostle Paul wrote about this in Romans chapter 5. He wrote these words, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. And I have found in my own life that the more I ponder and treasure in my heart the promises of God, the more peace I have. And so I try and spend time each and every day pondering the promises of God, pondering that the Holy Spirit dwells within me. And I try and ponder these promises so that I will have peace. And I have found that spending time in silence each and every day listening to God brings me more peace than anything else in the world. Spending time in silence listening to God, not talking to God. Oftentimes we never hear God because we're always doing the talking. We need to, in silence, just listen. Listen to God. And so spend time each day pondering the message of peace. Spend time each day in silence listening to God. And when I don't sense God's peace in my life, I ask myself, what am I feeding my heart and my mind? When I turn on the news in the morning and watch the head, uh, listen to the headlines, there is no, well, very, very, very little peace. When I turn on the internet and go through the news feeds, very little peace. And I get anxious. But God doesn't want us to be anxious. He wants us to have peace. Philippians 4 speaks about this. The Apostle Paul, who was a person who knew great blessing and great tragedy in his life, a person who was a, a powerful religious leader and then also a prisoner in the Roman prison system. He wrote these words. He said, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. God offers you Through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, he offers you a peace that transcends all understanding. I don't understand how it works, but I understand the one who makes it work. And God can offer you peace no matter what you are going through. And that passage in Philippians says, be anxious about nothing. Let me tell you, this last year I have been anxious about much. When I was going through chemo and radiation, I was extremely anxious knowing I was going to be incredibly sick. And so when I focused on the cancer and I focused on the treatments, I became anxious. When I focused on the promises of God, I became peaceful. To be really honest with you, before I got up to preach here, you know what I'm worried about? That I'm going to have another stroke while I'm up here. And I'm going to be really mad if I have a stroke just before Christmas, before my kids get here. And I'm anxious about that. And if you don't remember, between after the first chemo treatment, I was on blood thinners and I had a stroke. And I'm sitting, you know, as a pastor, the one thing that you need to be able to do is talk. And I had a stroke and I couldn't speak. Well, it was on guard, like this. And... All of a sudden, I'm sitting there knowing that I can't talk. And so I'm anxious about this. So right before I'm going to get up here to talk about peace, what's going through my mind? Oh, hope you don't have a stroke. So I'm sitting there going, do I actually believe what the scriptures say? Be anxious about nothing, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God which guards your hearts and minds will keep your hearts, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Do we believe that? And it is a promise of God. It is a promise of God. And that Jesus had to tell his disciples this over and over and over again, and he reminded that he is with them, and as long as they are with him, they are going to be okay. In spite of what's going on around them, he will be, they will be okay. Let me end with this story. It's a story that takes place on the Sea of Galilee. It's recorded for us in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's in the one I'm going to read is from Mark chapter 4. The Sea of Galilee is uh, up in northern Israel, and it's situated in such a way that storms can come up quickly on the lake. The lake is about eight, by, by eight miles wide, and so they're going to go from one side to the other. And this is what it says here, in Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 35, it says, That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's go to the other side of the lake. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with them. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, 
so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified, and they asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And Jesus taught his disciples many things that day. First, he taught them that all creation obeys him. But the other thing he taught them was this. It's better to be in the middle of a storm with Jesus than anywhere else without him. It's better to be in the middle of the storm with Jesus than anywhere else without him. And I'm not sure what storms you are going through right now, but I do know this. God sent his one and only son that we don't have to go through the storms of life alone. Amen and amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to know of your grace and your mercy and your love for us, to know that you will grant us peace in the midst of the storms of life because of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you that you watch over us and take care of us. You love us more than we could love ourselves. And Lord, we live in a world where there is very little peace. Help us to be people of peace, the peace that you give. And help us, Lord, to share this good news with the world around. As so many years ago, you shared it with the shepherds. Help us to share it with all people, that people would know of your love for them. For we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. It's now a privilege to...